0: Hey guys, welcome back to the JCC podcast for episode number 65. I hope we're all having a fantastic day, fantastic week since our last podcast as well. I actually just saw, I got a notification around the amount of of, uh, listens that we've got so far and we're actually up to... Um, almost ten thousand. We're about a hundred away from from ten ten thousand. So I'm sure that we can hit that within this next uh, this next episode. Uh, I just want to say a massive thank you. You know, ten thousand listens. That's pretty cool for sixty five podcasts. Um, and hopefully that you guys are always you know learning and taking lots of value from this as well. Um, so last week's podcast, we changed the theme a little bit. We haven't done anything like this before in our podcasts, and actually just kind of lasered into specific muscle groups and how we can actually improve and grow them um, overall. So I got a couple of questions uh, back and some feedback on the podcast who everyone seemed to really like it. uh, And I got the most uh, feedback and questions to do a back one this week. So if you guys want delts, triceps, biceps, quads, hamstrings, glutes, abs even just let me know, drop me messages to let me know that you enjoyed this one, or if you didn't enjoy this one, tell me that as well, um, and that you'd like to see X Muscle Group for next week, okay? But please do keep sharing this on the stories, man, or er, guys, excuse me, not man. Um, guys, it really, really does help me out, you know, I wouldn't have got to 10,000 podcasts without all of your help, and also please do make sure that you're actually subscribed to the podcast, you know, on um, on Spotify, or on iTunes, whatever that you guys listen to, please make sure you hit that, and um, even if it was possible to give me a, a review for it, And we've got all five stars reviews so far on it. And I'd really, really appreciate you guys going and doing that. Just shows me that, you know, more people are listening, more people are engaging in it, more people are enjoying my podcast, which means that I can give more back to all of you guys. So let's run through back and how to grow a big back. So first and foremost, just like last week, um, I think it's important to try and add some activation and potentiation work in here. And particularly, as we said, like if you find back uh, your back a difficult one to uh, improve and to grow, um, it might be in the, the case that you don't activate it well. You know, when you're doing your pulldowns, you really feel it in your lats. When you do your upper back rows, do you really feel it in your upper back and your traps? If you don't, then maybe some potent- potentiation activation might be useful. I love doing cable pullovers, you know, just or even just like a pull down, even like a a kneeling single arm pull down. What we're trying to do is get the lat nice and short. We squeeze into the bottom of the pull down. We squeeze into the bottom of the pullover. Hold in there for you know three seconds. Contract as hard as you possibly can. Feel your your lat. Connect with your lat. Neurologically connect with it and really get some good blood flow into the area. Even if it means you do two, three sets of 10 to 15, 20 reps, whatever that it is, nothing heavy, nothing to failure, just actually just call it almost feel work. You want to feel your lat working. I'm also really happy for this to be you know, programmed into exercise number one. I, I like to, to program this in for exercise number one for a lot of clients. Um, it's a great way of kind of priming your back, especially if you're going into any deadlifts or anything like that before. It's a great way of getting some blood flow in there. It's a great way of getting your kind of your mindset and psychology into the session sometimes when you go about a session, you know, um, and it takes a little bit of time for you to actually get into the session, you know, three, four exercises. And this is a good way of kind of priming that with a kind of a low level, not too like draining exercise that you can get good stimulus from, but not going to ruin the rest of your session. And um, so exercise number 1 or potentiation work just a little bit of of activation work via pull downs or some or, or pull over probably particularly in my opinion. I would also use a dual rope so a wider uh you know, a wider arm path then so you can actually tuck the elbows into the side rather than being fixed in this really sh- short, you know, rope and um, an uncomfortable environment and very difficult to line up properly with your lats overall. I do need to do a post on this. So so keep your eyes on the page. So the main movement patterns that we want to hit are going to be as so. Number one, I think a key to a, a dense back. And when someone, to, you know, when, you, so when you're when you talking to someone, you know, when they turn around and you can see their, their traps popping up out of their their shirt, or, you know, when they turn around and you can see this kind of their lower back, they have like a sheet of muscle tissue either side of their spine. It looks dense. It looks thick, their back. When they turn to the side, it looks like they have so, like a, a turtle shell poking out the top of their back, you know, and in the middle of their back. I believe this is due to two exercises or, or patterns, I might say. Number one is going to be a heavy hinge pattern, okay? And pretty much what we want from this is, you know, I'm always on the case of, of if you love doing deadlifts, conventional, do them. If you love doing RDLs, do them. If you love doing stiff leg deadlifts, do them. If you love an exercise, you're probably going to train them harder and more progressively. However, in theory, the more hinged over that you are, the better this is for erector development, okay? And the more hinged over exercise out of those three are going to be the RDL and the stiff leg deadlift. They're the ones that I I like to program more so. So think of it like this, that if you look at a deadlift from a side view, a a normal conventional deadlift where you have to bend your knees down to the bar, it means that your your spine is going to, the bottom of your spine towards your bum is going to drop down and your head is going to come up because you have to reach for that bar. Okay. On an RDL or stiff leg deadlift, we can have a much straighter leg, which means that there's a lot more hamstring bias towards this. Okay. Meaning that if we straighten our leg, our hips have to come up, but we also have to allow the the upper body and the head to, to kind of come down towards the, the floor. So if your head is coming down to the same position, you're getting good range of motion. Your head is like in line with your your hips. It means you're nearly parallel with the floor that means you're getting a lot more tension onto the erector musculature, which is what we're trying to challenge here. So like I said, same with the stiff leg as well and an RDL. Those would be my ones of preference, hence why I, I do them much much more in my plants. Um, I tried a, 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 um, a Adela for a while. I don't think it's for me. And I also think mechanically wise, I think it's just a much better pattern to do RDLs and stiff leg deadlifts itself. Um, so that would be my number one exercise for you is a hinge pattern of choice. Ideally more the RDL and the stiff leg, okay? Number two, to really get that dense, thick you know, uh, yeah, dense posterior chain and back. A bent over row for me is, is one of the best exercise that we can put in. I, I hate to use the word best or, or worst, but I do think this is one of the best that you can do. The reason for that is one, we are actually rowing a barbell. So you're getting retraction and protraction of the scapula and we're hitting, you know, with, especially if you keep your elbow a little bit tighter to the side um, and not letting it aggressively flare out, you're going to get lats, you're going to get kind of mid lats, you're going to get traps, you're going to get rhomboids, you're going to get every rear delts, you're going to get everything, okay, from the rowing part of that. Okay. The second thing as well, though, is that because you're in a hinged over position, just like your RDL and stiff leg, you're getting tons of erector recruitment. Erectors are pretty much just like, think of lower back and kind of your mid back, the things that extend or erect your spine. That kind of thick, dense, you know, look to a a back when it has, you know, muscle on either side of your spine, that comes from being in a a hinged or bent over position with lots of weight in your hand, just by even just, if you did a, a bent over row and you just went down to the bottom position and you just didn't move, that would be like activating so much muscle tissue on your posterior chain. So just by holding that position with an extended spine, not allowing your lower back round, upper back and round ever so slightly, that's okay, and that's 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 uh, um, yeah, that that's okay. It's not going to cause any injury unless it does cause an injury for you. Then probably rounding too much, um, but there's no need to keep your upper back straight. And I would actually believe that as long as your lower back straight and your low your upper back is a little bit rounded. That's probably what you should expect from an RDL or a stiff leg or, or a or a bent over row. If your upper back, if you can keep your upper back straight, dead straight, it probably means there's nowhere near and and your scapula retracted. It means there's nowhere near enough load on the bar. Okay, so you want to have enough that's almost pulling you into protraction. As long as your lower back isn't rounding, I don't think there's a risk for injury there. Okay. Anyway, coming back to the bent over row, in that bent over position, you are isometrically holding your, your erectors are isometrically um, contracting to stop your lower back rounding, okay? And this is just simply going to be activating all of your erectors, which is great for us, you know, great, great in terms of, of, uh, of, of bringing up that muscle group. But that also paired with the rowing pattern that you're doing is just a beautiful movement pattern to hit so many muscle groups across the back itself. So the more bent over you can be with the heaviest load possible, is going to be upper back, traps and mid back and erector development more than anything. Those two together, I always actually like to, in my program, I usually had them, you know, when I was doing a pull day, I would do them back to back. I do RDL first, followed by bent over row, just so you're fresher and earlier in the session itself. Okay. Now these aren't for everyone. If you don't enjoy them and you can't connect well with them and you find you're causing injury, then pull them out. Of course, I just, I love those exercises and I would definitely advise you trialing them. So then we kind of go, so that's kind of mid and, you know, I would call that back density. Okay. That's the back density work done from the day. It's the thickness of the back, it's the traps, it's the lower back and it's the mid back, everything that runs from the neck right the way through to the hip. Now we want to look at, you know, the the width to your your back and that comes from lats, you know, big lats and wide lats are going to be, give you appearance of, of, of much more width. So that comes from, you know, Three things, pullovers, pull downs, and rows. Okay. So as we said at the beginning, doing something like a lat pullover, like a dual rope lat pullover is a great exercise to add in the beginning of your workout to get the lat nice and short. You can almost also use it as like metabolic work towards the end of the session and get some extra additional working sets in there and some pump work as well. So when we're doing pull downs, let's say, we need to, this is for pull down, to be honest, this is for pull downs and, and, and ISOs as well there's the option to do bilateral versus unilateral. And I don't think one's better or worse than the other. Whichever one that you feel and connect with and can progress the most, that is the one for you. However, there is a lot of of benefit to using unilateral work itself. And the reason for that is because what what you can think, if you think about it like, it like this, I'm sure you've seen me do a video on this on my Instagram. And if you scroll back enough, you will find one. If we're in the middle of our Unilateral pull down, and we lean. Imagine we're doing a left, a left-handed pull down. Okay, if we lean a tiny bit more to the left, I can even by doing this right now. You m- might have heard my my voice go a little bit further away from the mic. Um, I even by doing this right now, I can feel my lat, my left lat contract. Because what you're doing is you're shortening your lat immediately. Okay, so the benefit to this means that you can get the lat, the left, the sh- the, <laughs> the left lat, the left lat shorter by. Doing a single arm variation on the left and leaning into that side ever so slightly. This is called lateral flexion, okay? So we lean into that side. I also believe that trying to contract two muscle groups instead of one, it's much easier to just contract one because you have more neurological kind of control over what's going on. You can just think about and feel that muscle group a little bit more, okay? So I love unilateral pull-downs. I love unilateral rows for that matter as well. Um, You'll see me do them often, all the time, if not every single one of my my pull-downs and rows because I feel I get the most out of it overall, okay? Now, if time is of the essence, I was talking to Twain, one of my clients the other day, and we had lots of unilateral stuff in his program, but the sessions were taking two hours plus, and that's just not, not something that I advise running. So what we said was, let's change them. You know, t- you're still going to get a great stimulus by doing bilateral pull-downs, but, but not as much time. If you're doing two working sets on your bilateral pull-down, you just do two. If you're doing it on unilateral, that has to be four. And if you have that two times a session, that's eight versus four sets, so there's a lot more time being spent in it, and um, I also think the loading parameters, like you can load up a bilateral pull down in a really nice manner, and um, like a neutral grip pull down variation. I love, I love kind of um, uh, more pull down. Your pull down variations being more bilateral, maybe than rows. Myself, um, I haven't used many amazing, you know, bilateral rows before. I think that just using it, other than the prime one, I'd love to try that one. But all the other ones, I usually just do them unilateral. The next thing we want to talk about is short range versus length and range challenges. A lot of your pull downs and your rows, if it's a cable pull down, you know, a cable upper back row, you know, a cable uh excuse me, a cable upper back pull down, a unilateral cable row, a pullover, all these are most of them are gonna be challenging the shortened range of the lat. We of course want to challenge it in a length range, i.e., that when you talk about shortened ranges, in when you get that elbow down to the pocket and you pull it down, that's a shortened position. The length and range is when you let it out. A lot of these won't really challenge in the length and range. In a vertical pattern, it's actually without the machines available. So, so if you guys have a Nautilus pull down, if you have a Prime pull down, you can actually change the resistance profiles on this from the seat height, etc. Okay. If we don't have the luxury of that, you know, one thing that you can do in a vertical variation is, is a pullover. Now, if you lean forward enough in a pullover and you go to like a 45 degree angle of your torso, comparatively to, let's say, uh, just vertical, you will be able to then have much more tension in the stretch and length and position, okay, which is what we want here. So, we can use the pullover to advantage. Now, if we stand a little bit taller, okay, and stand more upright, it's going to take tension off that length and position itself, okay? Um, and if we lean all the way f- really far forward, it's going to take the tension off as well because then the hardest part is going to be like the middle part of the rep, okay? So try and look at look at things from the side view and see where is the, the most difficult part of the rep and where is the, the kind of the positioning of that um, of the torso relative to the cable stack itself, and then we can actually bias the length and range of the lat itself. Okay, um, but like I said, it, hopefully that you guys have some nice machines in there that you can do this. The hammer strength pull down machine as well um, can actually bias that kind of mid to length and range um, as well, which is quite nice. Just make sure that you have the equipment to try and bias those overall. Okay, I would try. I try not go into too much detail about exercise mechanics on a podcast. I've heard people go into detail and trying to talk about it loads and I'm just trying to paint a picture in my head it can be quite difficult so if you guys are struggling with this shoot me over a message make sure you're watching my 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 instagram as well the same then is with the uh, the row patterns. So if you're doing cable rows, dumbbell rows, etc., this is all going to be the hardest in the shortened position. Something really useful, and in a lot of gyms, is called a hammer strength isolateral row. You might see me do this, or you will see me do this all the time. This is in my plan. It um, was in my plan before I got this little injury. Um, and what that will do is bias the length and range. So on the way out, if you do this standing, okay, you change the mechanics of the machine that when you let your arm all the way out from your body it's the heaviest there, rather than when you pull it short, so you can bias the length and range. It's important to have a shortened range and length range challenge, bilateral and unilateral challenges, but the main thing is around feel and what you feel you can progress the most going forward. The last thing then is around free weights and machine-based exercise. You'll hear me say a lot there around machines. Um, I, for one, think lats. Lats are just a really. I find that most male and most males and females that come into work with me, the first glaring weakness is usually lats. It's because a lot of your execution can be upper back bias of just pinching the scapula, which is maybe for more of a visual representation than not. I find that when we try and do free weights with, if you find it difficult to contract your lats and grow your lats free weights are probably going to make things a little bit more tricky so cables and machines are definitely the more the preference in my opinion cable pull downs you know unilateral cable pulldowns chest supported pull downs you know these things are fantastic for getting really good alignment unilateral particularly and getting that internal feel okay so that would be my my preference in terms of the upper back then the key is the difference between upper back and, and, and lat training is What's happening at the scapula? If you're pinching, pinching and retracting, and then releasing and protracting, that's an upper back bias challenge. If you're now depressing the scapula down and contracting hard into the bottom, okay, elevating and depressing, that's a lat bias challenge in my opinion, okay? So things that are gonna target the upper back are things like, you know, a T-bar row. That's one of my favorite exercises, and actually another, as we just discussed, that's gonna bias the length and range. So on a T-bar row, it comes heavier the more you let it out, Away from your body, the heavier it gets because of the the, the resistance profile to the machine. So this is a great exercise for working that length and range. But what are we would probably by probably by bias, probably try and bias is pinching, squeezing, contracting the scapula. Okay. Great exercise. Number two, a chest supported pin loaded or, or plate loaded row for that matter, where you can again, pinch and release the scapula. I love like things like, you know, the hammer strength pieces and pin loaded pieces. They're really good at, you know, allowing you to pull your elbows past the midline, grip and rip, squeeze the shit out of the the scapula and then releasing and relaxing on the way out. If you don't have either one of these, I'm sure that you have an incline press or an incline bench, excuse me, and a dumbbell, grab a dumbbell on an inclined bench grip and rip and pull pull your elbows back towards your the ceiling even excuse me and pinch and squeeze the scapula and release okay of course the the uh the bent over row will of course hit the upper back as well by the way uh, i like to just think of that just overall everything is just being hit i don't like to separate oh it's definitely an upper back movement or a lat movement i can feel it in my lats and my upper back Um, so that would be kind of around everywhere so that's pretty much back training overall One, we have a, you know, potentiation activation via getting lat nice and short. Two, we move into hinge patterns and deadlift variations, which are going to build that thickness and density. Also with that as well, I like to do a hinge pattern, a bent over, excuse me, a bent over row of choice in a hinged position. Um, The heavier and the more hinged over, the better. Then we want to break down lat training and then upper back training itself via the mediums and methods that we talked on today as with last week, a couple of little key coaching cues. One is ego lifting. You know, you uh, don't mind a bit of ego lifting with a hinge or a bent over row. I kind of love that kind of, you know, a little bit of body language being placed into that doesn't need to be perfect. But when you're, if you're struggling with building your lats, if you're struggling with building your chest, if you're struggling with building your arms, ego lifting, just adding more load is probably the worst thing that we can do. Take a set, take a step back, execute with absolute precision, hold in the bottom position, hold in the length and position, and watch your lats grow and get better connection and feel to that overall. The second thing, as we discussed today, is just achieving a little bit of lateral flexion with your your unilateral work. I think that just by, if you're trying to gain feel and connection with the lat, unilateral does really go a long way. And And getting that lateral flexion will definitely help. The next one is going to be feel goes a long way. I think that's where I got my my point from. Feel really goes a long way with lat, lat bias training and upper back bias training for that matter. If you're struggling to feel your lats and you're just hoping that it's going to happen by just loading it up, loading it up, loading it up, I'm also on on the on the side of you know don't chase sensation for everything. Chase heavy load. But on things that you're struggling to progress, then maybe that you've gone too heavy. And uh, your ego has taken over, that you're resulting in no feeling and no internal stimulus and therefore no growth. So, really do do think about that. And, like I said, feel does really go a long way. And um, the last one is going to be mindful of separating your upper back and lat training. If you're a beginner, to, to training, don't worry about this. Just grip, rip, get as strong as you possibly can, and refine as you go. But if someone is, you know, been training for you know three, four, five, 10 years, whatever that it is, and you still, you know, are struggling with lats for a your upper backs really progressing, your lats aren't. That's usually the way forward. Make sure you're separating them and understanding how to execute patterns um, and how to, you know, um, you know, perfectly train the lat itself. Um, I also have one thing as well. Is I'm sure that a lot of you guys are joined the the, the private. Excuse me, and um, the. Free community group. There's an area in the free community group where it says rate my lift. I've never actually, um, we haven't got this off the off the ground yet. I've only put it. We've had it in for a while, but I've only kind of, I think in my first post, um, kind of said that this is here. If you guys do have lat training clips, if you do have upper back training clips, and you want me to look at them, just stick them in there. You know, I'll get a I'll get a message about them. I'll have the video there. I can do a loom video run through of how you're executing it. You know, are you, is it a lat bias challenge? Is it an upper back? Tra- but ba- ba- I can't get the words out, is it an upper back bias challenge. What do you need to change? Where's the arm path? Where's the alignment? Where's the torso position? Fully lengthened, fully shortened. I can give you some feedback on that going forward. So if you are struggling with your lat versus upper back training or anything as a whole, always feel free to use that, um, that group and that rate my left section. The final thing that I will say, and just a little gentle reminder that what are we at now? 13 days before the Conditioned 12 12 Week Transformation Challenges closes its doors. I believe we're only going to run, I know we won't run on September, but I think that we're going to run one of these a year. So if you are thinking that, you know, always going to run another one in March or something like that. That is definitely not going to be the be the case. If you want to join this challenge, but hopefully you're, you're hoping that it's further down the line, we probably won't open our doors again to this until January 2025, okay? So if you're interested in this and getting elite level one-to-one coaching, weekly check-ins, un- un- unparalleled support, you know, guidance, structure, and direction, all that stuff – customized training plans, customized meal plans, access to a private member site with lots of um, exercise analysis cues that run through lat versus upper back training for that matter, for as little as €148 a month, which is actually only €37 a week. Hit the link in the description select which payment plan you want to and want to run with and we will take care of the rest. Any questions about that, just drop me a DM or a message, but hopefully see you guys in check-in number one for the 12-week challenge. And also with that, I completely forgot to say, I'm sure you know this at this stage, the winner of the challenge will receive uh, 2,000 euro worth of prizes. Yes, I didn't say 200, 2,000 euro worth of prizes, 500 euro of cash, six months of full online coaching completely for free. If that's what you want, make sure you sign up. Don't miss this opportunity and we'll catch you guys in the check-ins.